Thank you for tuning in today. I pray that today's message will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. This week we celebrate Pentecost and Pastor Duane is teaching us what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's get started with today's message, Times of Refreshing. We're going to talk today about what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is Pentecost about? I want to start in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1 where it says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, least we drift away. Uh, There's always the temptation when we're in church and we're talking about something that we've heard before that we just kind of like turn off. But here's the truth. If we don't rehear and remeditate and and reincorporate things into our life, spiritual things, we drift away. We'll drift Right, And so we need to pay attention even to the things that we think, well, I know all about that. And then Acts 3.19, it says, Repent, therefore be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Uh, Literally in the last 500 years in the church, God has been bringing times of refreshing. He has been bringing truths that had sort of to speak, been dormant. He's bringing them back to the church. And notice it says times of refreshing. Uh, We're actually going to be looking later at a prophecy that tells us that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is one of these times of refreshing that God brings into the church. So Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptized you with water under repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandal I'm not worthy to carry. He, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So often what we think of as New Testament believers is we think, man, I wish I could have just been one of the disciples. I wish I could have been there with Jesus to see his ministry without realizing that Jesus still has a ministry today. Jesus' ministry today has three parts. Number one, the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. Number two, Jesus is building the church. And number three, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And because he's the head of the church, and this is part of his present day ministry, Uh, we need to recognize this is something Jesus wants for us. And as he's the head of the church, we need to say, Jesus, you want it for me, and I want everything that you want me to have. So in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes to be baptized by John the Baptist. And he's baptized, and it says, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now, the Holy Spirit is not a dove, but he descended in the form of a dove on Jesus. He's baptized in water, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And really, we see here the pattern. The pattern is water baptism, 
spirit baptism. When the children of Israel come out of Egypt, they leave Egypt, a type of the world, they come to the Red Sea. And the, Moses extends his rod over the sea, the sea opens up, and they go through the sea. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says they were all baptized unto Moses. So this is a type of baptism. They go through the sea, it's a type of water baptism. But it says they're all baptized into Moses under the cloud and in the sea. Now, the Bible is very specific that they went through the sea all night long. Say, at night. Now, it's significant because the pillar of cloud at night was a pillar of fire. And the Bible specifically mentions that it became a pillar of fire in between them and the Egyptians. So that is representative of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the first sermon, says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right there, we see three examples of water baptism and then following that, spirit baptism. Now, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he's with his disciples for 40 days. John brings this out in John 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus has died. He's been buried. He's risen from the dead. He appears to the disciples. They know who he is. He is the risen Lord and Savior. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. My question is, did they receive the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. Let's go like this. Universal. This means yes, they did. When Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, they received the Holy Spirit. Yet in Acts chapter 1, listen to this. He's assembled together with them. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, do they have the Holy Spirit? Yes, they do. But Jesus tells them, he said, it is important that you receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Something additional, something that is different. In fact, he says, don't leave Jerusalem. We can say it like this. Uh, don't leave home without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on in verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The word power there is the word dunamis in the Greek. We get our word dynamite from that word. It's an explosive power. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the, the, what the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower you. It's for you to be empowered. It's not so much for your personal life as it is to empower you to be a witness. So in Acts chapter 2, we see the day of Pentecost. And they're all in one accord in one place. Verse 2 says, And suddenly 
there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting and there were appeared into them divided tongues or diverse tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, one of the things that sometimes people talk about when we talk about baptism, water baptism, spirit baptism, is they say, well, there's just one baptism. And in one sense, that's true. However, in Hebrews chapter 6, as it's talking about the doctrines of Christ, and the second verse, it says the doctrine of baptisms, plural, more than one baptism. So you say, how do we put this all together? Well, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, it says, by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. When a person becomes a Christian, something happens automatically. You don't need to know that it happened, but it does. The Holy Spirit takes that person and baptizes, puts them, immerses them into the body of Christ. How many of you know you aren't supposed to be a Christian alone? It's not Lone Ranger Christians. We're put into a body, into a family, and that happens automatically. And it's the Holy Spirit who takes you and baptizes you into the body. That's why the Bible says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? That's the baptism the Holy Spirit does. But yet the Bible talks about water baptism. The Bible talks about spirit baptism. Now, those are in addition to the one baptism that the Holy Spirit does. Now, notice the Holy Spirit takes you, puts you into the body of Christ. But Jesus takes you and puts you into the Holy Spirit. One is the Holy Spirit doing the baptizing. The other is Jesus doing the baptizing in the Holy Spirit. So we, 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 we want to be sure that we understand that. So Acts chapter 8, we find Philip, who was literally a deacon, Starts out as a deacon, and by the 21st chapter, they're calling him an evangelist. But he goes down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitude with one accord, hearing the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. Many were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now, go down to the 12th verse. And when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So he's preaching about the kingdom. He's preaching the name of Jesus. And there's no other name given under heaven in which we must be saved. Acts 2.12. So they, they hear and they believe. Jesus said in Mark 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. They believe and they were baptized. Jesus said, they're saved. Now, notice the 14th verse, because this is, this is where this gets interesting. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive New King James, the Holy Spirit, King James, the Holy Ghost. For ye had not yet fallen upon any or none of them. Only they've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they believed and they were baptized. The Holy Spirit had already taken and put them into the body of Christ, but yet the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen upon any 
of them. You see, what, what the Holy Spirit does is an inside job. It's an inside job. But what Jesus does is he takes you and he immerses you into the Holy Spirit. How many know there's a difference between having a drink of water and going swimming? That's like the difference between what happens when you become a believer and what happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So they came down and they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for he had not yet fallen upon any King James, New King James, none of them, only they'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to catch is this is something that is subsequent to salvation. You look at the apostle Paul. He's on the road to, to, to uh, persecute Christians. And Jesus appears to him on the road. He loses his sight. He goes into the city. He spends three days praying and fasting. And the Lord Jesus sends Ananias. He talks to Ananias in a vision and says, go to the street called Straight. He said, because when Paul of Sarsus is praying and he sends him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he was a believer because he talked to Jesus on the road. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? But yet he sent him that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, subsequent to salvation. Now, Jesus talked about receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Luke 11, he said that if you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it will be open. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and he who knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread of any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's not automatic. It's something that we ask for. And, and uh, I think it's important that we understand that we, we don't just automatically receive this. I'm a Christian. I've got everything God has for me. We need to be asking about it. All right? There's two distinct events. There's the salvation of the believer. The Holy Spirit takes us and puts us in the body of Christ. But there, there is a subsequent event where we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. The two events are separate. Now, in John chapter 7, it says, but this Jesus spoke of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Should receive. The word there, receive, in the Greek, it's in the active voice. It's not passive. It's not something you just sit back and, well, God, if you want it, Give it to me. No, it is, again, it's in the active voice. It means you cannot be passive and receive. The same thing with Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. The word receive, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. All right? It's in the Greek middle voice, which means literally direct participation, specific involvement. It's something that we ask for. It's something that we believe for. It's not something that just automatically happens because we're a Christian. 
Again, Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and find some disciples. Now, it's important that this is here because Apollos, we find, did, was a believer, but he didn't completely understand all of salvation. He didn't understand about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So Aquila and Priscilla take him aside and instruct him. But this is where he had gone before he understood. So then Paul goes through that region and he said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? How many of you know you receive him automatically when you believe? You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. He's on the inside of you. It's automatic. You say, I'm a believer. Then you have received the Holy Spirit. He's baptized you in the Holy Spirit. He's inside you. All right. But Jesus still wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. They said to him, we haven't so much as heard that there is a Holy Spirit or a Holy Ghost, the King James says. Um, I, I read this once and I thought, well, they went to the same church I did when I grew up because we didn't hear anything about the Holy Spirit at my church. The only reason we knew there was a Holy Spirit was because the Apostles' Creed said so. And we repeated the Apostles' Creed. But otherwise, we would not have known. And he said to them, how then were you baptized? You know, if you get water baptized, you ought to at least know the Holy Spirit exists, Right? Because you're going to get baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. See, so if you get water baptized, you ought to at least know there is a Holy Spirit. Well, Paul said, John verily baptized him with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They've been water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So they believe, they're water baptized, but they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit until Paul lays his hands upon them. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. I think it's so interesting that Jesus said to his disciples, it is better, it is beneficial for you that I go away. Because if I go away, the Holy Spirit is going to come. You know, I've been thinking about that for the last couple of weeks, and I cannot wrap my head around that. Can you imagine the disciples are with Jesus, and they can say, Jesus, what about this? What about that? I don't understand this. Help me with that. And Jesus said, no, it's better for you that I'm gone. Because when that Holy Spirit comes, listen, he's your advocate, your counselor, your comforter. He will lead you into peace. He'll lead you into victory. He'll show you things to come. He'll reveal the Holy Spirit to you. He empowers you to be a witness. Jesus said, it is better that I go away because then that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to come. In Acts chapter 10, we find that Peter is uh, in Joppa. He has a, he's praying and he has a vision. And the vision, the, 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 the bottom line of the vision is the Holy Spirit says to him, there's men at the door, and I've sent them. Go with them. Now, they've come from Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was praying, and he had a vision. And an angel came and said to him, now, send men to Joppa, that's where Peter is, to the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. He says, and he will tell you words 
by which you and all your household will be saved. He will tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved. So Peter comes and begins to preach. And he's preaching about Jesus. And he tells them those words. And they believe. How many of you know when you believe the gospel, you receive Jesus, you're saved. Right? He's preaching and that's what's happening. All right. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcised, these are the Jewish people that Peter had brought with him because he wanted, he wanted to have witnesses of what was going to happen. Those of the circumcision, the believers, the Jewish believers, they were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. And Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And later, as Peter explains what happened, he said they received the Holy Spirit just like we did in the beginning. Just like it happened in Acts chapter 2. They received the Holy Spirit. You know, this is the one time where it seems to be simultaneous. They believe and the Holy Spirit fell immediately. Can it happen? Yes, it can. It absolutely can. But if you look 80% of the time in the Bible, that's not what happened. 80% of the time, they ask, hands are laid on them, and they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, somebody says, uh, why would I even want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? And besides, that tongue stuff, that's weird. You know, let me just say something. He says, I want the Holy Spirit without the tongues. Look at my shoes. Can you get a zero in on these shoes? Take these, take, check these shoes out. I did not go and say, shoe store and say, I want shoes with tongues. They just came with them. Right? It's kind of like the Holy Ghost. You don't need to ask for tongues. When he comes, they just come with him. All right. Now the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a one-time experience of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But there are continuous refillings. Continuous refilling. You say, why do I need to be refilled? Because you leak. There's a bunch of other junk that gets in you and kind of pushes that Holy Spirit out. We need to be be being filled. That's literally what it means. It's a continuous be being filled. It's something we can be refilled every single day. Well, somebody says that, that tongue stuff, that's just weird. All right. Well, you might think it's weird, but I'm going to tell you something. God thinks you're weird if you think that's weird. Because this is God's idea, by the way. All right, but 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now he says, well, I heard it and I didn't understand a thing. You're not supposed to. Why are you listening? You're eavesdropping. They're talking to God. The Bible says they're talking to God. Right? They're not talking to you. They're talk- How many of you know that it is good to talk to God? In fact, the 14th verse of this same chapter, Amplified Translation, says, if I pray, if I pray, you see, when you speak in tongues, you're praying. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays by the Holy Spirit. And my understanding or my mind is unfruitful. So this is the Holy Ghost bypass operation. 
He knows he needs to get by your head. Because how many of you realize your stinking thinking is your problems? So it's the Holy Spirit by your spirit praying. It bypasses your brain. In fact, the Bible says your brain, your mind is unfruitful. Your mind does not understand because it is not your mind praying. It's your spirit praying with the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, Romans 8 tells us this, that when we pray this way, we always pray according to the will of God. So there's no selfish prayers when you're praying in tongues. You're not praying, Lord, bless me, my wife, our son, Tom, his wife, Sally, us four, no more, Acts 2, 4. No, <laughs> there's, there's no selfish prayers when you pray in tongues. And, and here's the interesting thing. It's your spirit by the Holy Spirit praying. And you're always praying, Romans 8, according to the will of God. So you can be praying about things you don't even know. Um, there was a pastor uh, whose wife just could not, knew something was wrong with some member of their church. And, and, and they were praying and they, they'd pray and talk about it. And they just couldn't get agreement with it. In fact, they're, they're praying in the spirit. They're praying in tongues. And finally, they, they said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray that God will show them in a dream if they're asleep or a vision if, if, if they're awake, but God will show them what the danger is because they knew someone in their church was in danger, but they didn't know what it was. This is where praying in tongues just comes in. So the man is asleep, a member of their church. In fact, it was their Sunday school superintendent. He, he worked for in, on an oil rig, right? Drilling for oil. And he has a dream and he goes to work the next morning and in his dream, the man that normally worked the top of the rig was sick and didn't come, and the foreman asked him to go up. But in his dream, he climbed up there, and a cable broke and cut his head off. And he says, no, he says, I am not going up there because I had a dream this morning. He said, and I dreamed that cable broke and cut my head off. There was a man that was there on the same crew who said, I don't believe in that superstitious nonsense. I'll go up there. Five minutes later, the cable broke and cut his head off. You know, you can pray about things you don't even know when you pray in tongues. And you're always praying according to the will of God. Notice it says, but in the spirit, you speak mysteries. They may be things you don't know. See, And then it goes on in the fourth verse. And it says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, if you speak in tongues, you edify yourself. The book of Jude, the 20th verse, says the same thing. It says, but you, beloved, praying in the most holy ghost, in the ho- in, in praying in the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. So you build yourself up. You edify yourself. We're in an edifice, something that's been built up. See, when you pray in tongues, it's like literally you charge your spiritual battery. You get charged up spiritually. Well, somebody said, that sounds very selfish. Well, if you need a dollar... And I don't have a dollar. How many of you know I can't help? But if I've got an abundance, I can help you. And the same thing is true spiritually. It does build you up. But the purpose is so you can be a witness, so you can help others. Right? So you have an overflow. I love what David said in Psalms 23. He said, my cup 
overflows. You know, and really, our ministry to others is the overflow. Well, where does a lot of that come from? It comes from praying in other tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 21, it says, In the law, it's written. Now, this is New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14 chapter, talking about tongues and spiritual gifts. For in the law, it's written, With men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. Yet for all this, they wouldn't hear, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. So it's talking about tongues, and it goes back to the Old Testament, and it says Isaiah prophesied about this, that God will speak with men of other tongues and other lips. So we go back to the Old Testament. This is very interesting. Isaiah 28. It says, whom will he teach knowledge, and whom will he make to understand the message? How many of you would like revelation of the word of God? To understand, when you read the Bible, you're like, I want to understand the Bible. All right? Who is it going to happen to? Those just weaned from milk, those drawn from the best? For precept must be upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you will cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing but they wouldn't hear. There's so many people won't accept this. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Now, right in the middle of revelation, line on line, precept on precept, here a little, there a little, tongues, then line on line, line on line, precept on precept, precept on precept, here a little, there a little. Here's exactly what it means. It means when you are going to study the Bible and you will pray in tongues first, the revelation of the word of God is going to begin to flow. Who is he going to teach the precepts, the lines? Who's going to get little by, who's it going to come to little by little by little by little by little? The one who's speaking in other tongues. And I can testify to this. In my own life, I know the more I speak in other tongues, the more revelation I receive. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I wasn't going to do this, but I did it in the first service. And I'm going to tell you a story because I want to hear this story myself. So in 1980, Jeannie and I are living in Mexico. We're we're living in a a little built Indian uh, center called Ixmiquilpan in the state of Hidalgo. And I get an invitation to go and preach in Tepeyapulco, Hidalgo. This is about 80 miles away. This, is, this town is, is quite a bit bigger. It's, it's, it has the Renault factory in it, all right, for, for all of Mexico. And so I'm supposed to go and preach their Pentecost morning service. They called it the upper room service. I remember getting up and getting in our, our Bronco. And I drove 80 miles to get there. I get there and... Pastor Samuel Noguera is the pastor, and, and his house is right next to the church. And so I go over to pastor's house, and we, we sit down at the table, and we, we talk a little bit, and we, we pray, and then we go over to the church. Now, I got to tell you about this church, because this was, this was the most Pentecostal church I've ever been to. Now, first of all, on the, the church is painted purple and white. And on top of the church, there's purple flames of fire. 
all the way around the church. They've been fasting and praying. He didn't tell me this. They've been fasting and praying for three days for the service. The whole church fasting and praying for, for three days. Now, this church, and Pastor Merle, wave at everybody. But Pastor Merle has been to this church with me. I think Bernie's also been there with me. So this church is, is uh, got an aisle right up the middle. Lots of pews on this side. Lots of pews on the other side. Now, the women all sit on the right side. Women are not allowed on the left side. And men are not allowed on the right side. Also, all women have to have something over their head, like a head covering. And in addition, women are not allowed to wear pants because it's ungodly. So we get in the service. And the way that they did, they had, they had the biggest podium I have ever seen up there. And then they had these fancy chairs and, and the elders and the pastors are sitting up here in the fancy chairs. I haven't been in a church where they did that, have people up on the, sitting on the platform watching, making sure you're worshiping and doing something. I don't know what. All right. All right. But you know, I was glad I was sitting on the platform that day. Now the church is, the service has probably been going for about 30 minutes. Churches, I mean, they are packed. And, and the doors in the back open. And a lady comes through the back door. Well, first there was a man. And then about 15 feet behind that man was a woman. Now, I talked to her after service, right? And this is what she said to me. She said, uh, I'm a hairdresser. He says, and I was on my way to work this morning. She says, I was at the bus stop. She says, and I don't know what happened. She says, I just started to cry because my life is a mess. My family's a mess. My kids are a mess. And I just started crying at the bus stop. I said, God. Help me, help me, help me. She said, I looked next to me, and there was a man there with a black book. And on the back of the book, it said, Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. She said, I just decided, I didn't know where he's going, but I'm going with him. They went several blocks on the bus, city bus. He pulled the cord, bus stopped at the next corner. He got off. She followed him right off. He walked about three blocks, turned left went another half a block and walked through the back doors of the church. I saw him come in and she's 15 feet behind him. Now, immediately when she came in, I knew she was not from the church. Three things. First of all, she followed him in and sat on the men's side. You don't do that. Secondly, she wore pants. You knew she was a sinner right away. She had pants on because there's a sign on the outside of the church that says no women with pants allowed. And then thirdly, she didn't have her head covered. So I watched her come in. I watched her sit down. She is not there 25 seconds. And she just begins to absolutely just weep. She's just weeping. So finally, they give me the service and I, and I preach. And I think I preached an hour. Because they like long sermons, okay? And uh, afterwards, I'm supposed to pray for people, right? Remember, this is a Pentecostal church. So I'm supposed to lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the upper room service. So I'm thinking, we're going to have 10 people come up. So I said, now, if you're here and you'd like to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, would you come forward? And I kid you not, it was like, 
I, I, just, they, they jumped. I mean, just like, woo. I mean, the whole altar is full of people. There's 100, 120, 130, maybe even 140 people up here. They're just everywhere. But that lady came up. The one with no head covering, with the pants on, sitting on the wrong side. Now, she's, no, she's not a Christian. I know she's, no, she's not a Christian. And you can't receive the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian. You say, why not? Well, because he's only given to Christians. You say, what would happen? I'm not sure, but I think it'd blow up. I mean, you, just, you cannot receive the Holy Spirit if you're not a Christian. All right. so, so we got all these people up here. So what I did was I led everybody in the sinner's prayer. You know the sinner's prayer, right? And then I led them in a prayer, like it says in Luke chapter 11, to ask to receive the Holy Spirit. So I lead everybody in the prayer. Everybody repeats the prayer. She repeats the prayer. And then I'm going to go down and I'm going to start praying for people. So I actually went down over here on the lady's side and I sent Pastor Samuel and a half a dozen of his elders on the other side. And I go down to the first lady and I say to her, I'm going to, you know, they've got their hands up. I say, I'm going to pray for you. And when I lay hands on you and I say, receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And if you sense something on the inside, inside, you, you feel something. It's like some words. It says, you just begin to speak that out. So I said to her, receive the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her instantly. When her hands go straight up, she starts speaking in tongues as loud as she could. Now, I'm going to report what happened. I'm not recommending. I'm just telling you what happened that day. Pentecost Sunday, 1980. As soon as she stuck her hands in the air and started speaking in tongues, Every other adult in that place jumped to their feet, threw their hands in the air, and they all started speaking in tongues as loud as they could, and it sounded like Niagara Falls. Okay. Now, listen, listen. So I go to the next person. I'm going to lay hands on you! <laughs> I mean, literally, I am shouting, you know, and I pray for them. They receive. I'm going to go to the next one. They receive. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to the next one. Go to our friend. One who's no, got no head covering, got the pants on, pray for her. Everybody's receiving the Holy Ghost, you know? So this probably takes 10 minutes, but I've been preaching and I'm thirsty and I know there's water back there. So I come back up and I'm just kind of looking at what's happening. You know, and I come to get my glass of water and up comes one of the elders from the other side and he's crying. And he says, he says, I'm praying for people and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. And I said, good, get back down there, do some more. And he says to me, he says, no, he says, you don't understand. He said, I've been an elder in this church 30 years and I have never received the Holy Spirit. Well, first thing that tells me is this. He's not baptizing anybody in the Holy Spirit because Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. God may use a man or a woman to lay hands on you, but Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. But I knew immediately what the problem was. He was trying to earn the Holy Spirit. I've had people say, well, if you quit smoking, you stop using makeup. If you do this, if you do that, then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Trying to earn the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says the gift of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know salvation is a gift and you didn't like get real holy and then get saved? You just come as you are because it's the gift of salvation. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
It's not something we earn or someone we earn. It's something that God graciously gives. So I said to him, I said, I've got a word from God for you. And he said, really? Now, he thought God had like, I heard a voice from heaven. But I, I had, but it was from the Bible. The voice from heaven was from Luke chapter 11, which says, ask and you will receive. So I says, I said, I want you to ask for the Holy Spirit and I'm going to lay hands on you and you are going to instantly be filled. He said, really? I said, yes. He said, okay. Okay. So I said, ask for the Holy Spirit. He has, I was going to lay hands on him. I really was, but I didn't get to. Because, I mean, literally his countenance changed. He just began speaking in tongues and he just begins having this joy. Now, here's what I know. She'd been saved for three minutes and received the Holy Spirit. And, and by the way, uh, I think we were back there 12 years later. And this, she, she told me this story. This is kind of a follow-up. She said, you know, she said, the day that I got saved, I said, oh, I, I remember. She said, well, my whole family got saved and my son is now a pastor. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. But she knew she hadn't done something to earn the Holy Spirit, but she instantly received. He'd been trying to earn the Holy Spirit for so long. But when he stopped trying to earn and did what Jesus said, ask and you will receive. She received. Now, I remember very well when uh, I was prayed for to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'd been brought up in church, but I'd never heard anything like this in my life. The only thing that I heard about the Holy Spirit, it was weird. Now, you got to watch out for them holy rollers. Now, by the way, people may do some strange things, but it's usually people and not God. Right? But... Uh, I'd only been saved a couple months, and uh, some of the leaders of the church, they took me aside, and, uh, you know, and, and I said, well, I want to receive the, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so they prayed for me. You know, they said, put your hands up, and I put my hands up, and one guy said, praise God, and I started praising God, and I said, be quiet, you know, and I'm quiet. And one says, grab hold of God, the other said, let loose, and I'm just, I'm just like. <laughs> now, now, I mean, listen, I... This is what I said. I said, you know, if I speak in tongues, it's going to be God. It's going to be God. So, and, and listen, listen, I'm waiting for God to come and grab my tongue. That's what I'm waiting for. Because right? I want this to be God. Right? Not me, God. But, but I didn't understand that whenever there's something supernatural, there's two parts. There's man's part, which is natural, and God's part, which is supernatural. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick, natural. God causes them to recover, supernatural. Jesus is walking on the water. He says to Peter, come. Peter gets out of the boat, right, and begins to walk. How many of you walk every day? That's natural. God got underneath. That was supernatural. So the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. They spoke, and then the supernatural as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit of God works with you. And I was waiting for the Spirit to be independent of me. I was waiting for him to speak in tongues. The Bible says they spoke. Let me give you an example. Right now, I'm talking to you in English. Sin embargo, 
yo pudiera hablarles en español. El problema es que ninguno de ustedes me van a entender. I can talk in Spanish just as easy as I can talk in English, but I can't do them both at the same time. Now, Paul said this. He said, I will pray with the Spirit, with tongues. And he said, I will pray with the understanding, with a language we understand. Both of them are something he said, I'm going to do that. Now, somebody says, you mean you turn the Holy Spirit on and off? No, he's always on. Got that? He's always ready. He's always ready. So I waited probably 15, 20 minutes that day. You say, what happened? My mouth got really dry. And that was all that happened. And I remember after that, I'm like, I'm like trying to, to con God. I remember saying, God, you just speak with tongues, and I will go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night for the rest of my life. You know, I'm trying to say, God, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to buy, trying to earn the Holy Spirit. And that went on for a couple months. And I remember I was attending Calvin College at the time. And uh, there was a room off the library, and there was probably about 20 of us, maybe 15, 20 of us in this room. We had a guitar. You know, this was back in the Jesus movement days, and we were singing some songs, and we were praying. And, and I remember I just said, God, this is your last chance. I said, you either speak with tongues or I am going to. You know, and they were kind of going around a circle, and, and I said, God, I mean it. This is it. Now or never, God, because if you don't, I will. Nothing. And I remember something just began to just move just a little bit down on the inside. It's like I, I knew what it would sound like if I spoke it. And I just began to speak. In, I, I, literally, I just began to speak it out. And, and I remember thinking, oh, I could have done that two months ago at church. But I was waiting for God to do it instead of realizing he was waiting for me. We begin to speak as the Spirit gives us utterance. And when you do, the Bible says you edify yourself. You build yourself up. You're praying. You're talking to God. And you can pray about things you have no idea about because it's the Spirit praying with you, with your spirit. Again, the Bible says your mind is unfruitful. Your mind is bypassed. It's your spirit and the Holy Spirit directly communicating to God.
If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have a copy mailed to you. Download it instantly or check out our new audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is changing lives on and off the air with the help of viewers like you. When you choose to sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessings upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. If you'd like to become a partner with us, we have three easy ways that you can give. One, text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Two, visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give. Or three, click on the giving icon in our app. We would love to connect with you. When you scan this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, check out our weekly devotional, and most importantly, stay connected. If you're looking to rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We pray that your spirit will be refreshed this week. We'll see you next time.